Hello and welcome to Driving Discussions. In this series, we discuss the forces that affect road uh, fields globally. And Driving Discussions is brought to you by Argus Media, uh, a leading independent provider of energy and commodity pricing information. We will continue uh, in this podcast with the uh, discussion that we started back in March in regards to the uh, structure of the uh, diesel market in Europe. Uh, high volatility, step backwardation and lack of liquidity uh, continues. Although it seems that more participants in the market are taking the direction of self-inflicting sanctions to uh, Russian origin diesel. There is not a clear path yet on how a potential um, phase out of uh, Russian diesel would look like. And this obviously is creating uh, uncertainty. My name is Alfonso Rocal, a European Business Development Manager for Oil Products at Argus Media. And we have here uh, again with us today uh, Benedict George, Senior European Market Reporter, and Alina uh, Rappaport, Senior Market Reporter in Germany. Good afternoon, Alina and Benedict, and Benedict, and welcome back. Hi, Alfonso. Hi. Thanks. Hello. Thanks. Benedict, um, can you please give us an update on what is the current situation of the uh, diesel market in terms of cargo liquidity and the structure of the curb on one side and stocks and, and diesel refinery uh, uh, runs and, and margins uh, on the other, please. Sure. So European diesel supply is extremely tight at the moment and only likely to get tighter. The Russian diesel cargoes have been mostly shut out of spot markets now and some German importers are still holding out against that trend and accepting the Russian cargoes. I think Alina will say more about that in a minute. But the majors, the leading trading firms, and most regional importers have all stopped buying Russian cargoes in spot markets. Total Energies, BP, Shell, VTOL, Trafigura, all of them on paper are not buying Russian diesel in spot markets anymore. That's significant because Usually the majority of Europe's diesel seaborne imports, at least, come from Russia. And that's about 10% of all the diesel consumed in Europe coming from Russia, usually. So the majority of European importers are now competing over a minority of the usual import supply. And that's why prices are so high. That's why there's still a very steep backwardated structure in the futures forward curve. And that's why diesel premiums to crude are so high as well. The backwardated structure means that futures for earlier delivery are much more expensive than the ones for later delivery. That's basically a signal of tight supply in the prompt market. In the chaos of, of early March, when nobody really knew what was going on, we saw the highest diesel premium to crude and the steepest backwardation in the futures market since August started collecting the data in the 1990s. Those numbers came down a little bit. But then they were climbing again through April, and by the end of April, they were recording levels that would have been the highest on record if it weren't for that madness in March. So we're talking about diesel premiums to crude around $50 a barrel at the end of April. And for reference, the average was $15 a barrel in 2019, so more than three times higher. And 
futures for delivery one month away were pricing as much as $60 a ton above those for two months away. For reference, when it got to $10 a few months ago, we said that was very steep. Now it's recently been 60. Those numbers have come down a little bit in the last week or so because the EU last week proposed to ban Russian oil products from the end of the year. Most importantly, diesel, that's the one that we get in the largest volumes from Russia. It might seem counterintuitive, but that announcement by the EU actually made prices come down a bit because traders were worried that the ban would come into effect much sooner than the end of the year. So the announcement of an end of year plan was actually a relief for a lot of traders. It meant they had longer than they might have thought to adjust to this new reality. But as I say, the premium to crude and the backwardation remain very steep by normal standards. We have the, the premium to crude around $40 a barrel and the backwardation around $30 a tonne. These are, these are a multiple of what we normally see, and it reflects the actual scarcity of supply in the market. Um, but it's important to understand that Russian diesel is still coming into Europe. I'm only talking about the spot market so far and spot prices. The other way that people get diesel uh, imported is on term contracts, meaning arrangements covering multiple deliveries over months or even over a whole year. And even the companies that are refusing to buy Russian diesel in spot markets they have not backed out of their term contracts. So you still have around 3 million tons of diesel shipped from Russia into Europe in April, despite all these companies saying they're not buying Russian diesel anymore. The traders are saying by the end of the year, things are going to be very different because these, these long-term contracts will have run out and they won't be renewed. So by the end of the year, a ban or no ban, you probably won't see much Russian diesel coming into Europe at all. And there really will be a shortage of supply then unless some very different new trade routes open up. The interesting situation is the companies with big term contracts to take Russian diesel and little or no distribution on the ground in Europe. So companies that don't have a network of retail fuel stations. So Gunvor is a good example of this. They have a term contract to pick up hundreds of thousands of tons of Russian diesel in the Baltic every month, but they don't have pumps to put that diesel in. They don't have consumers to sell that to. So they have to sell that onto other companies in the spot market, i.e. on a cargo by cargo basis. And usually that's very profitable for them, but now most people won't touch those cargos. So what does Gunvor do? Currently, it looks like a lot of that Russian diesel is going into what we call ARA, the Amsterdam, Rotterdam, Antwerp area, where there are huge tank farms, so massive storage capacity for oil and fuels. And from there, Gunvor can sell some of that Russian diesel in barges on the Rhine River, because like I said, the German importers mostly are still accepting it. But it can't all go on the on the Rhine River because there's far too much of it. So for a sense of it, around 150,000 tons of uh, diesel and other types of gas oil went from Russia into ARA per month in 2021. And in April last month, it was five times more than that. So there's this huge um, pile of Russian diesel building up in Amsterdam, Rotterdam, Antwerp. And the traders are having to find something to do with it. Currently, the most likely thing is probably that it ends up going to North Africa, West Africa, Latin America. Europe usually exports to these regions a little bit. And now there's this huge 
glut of rejected supply that needs somewhere to go. So we probably see a lot more diesel going Europe to Latin America, I think, in the coming months. Now, back to the companies that won't buy Russian diesel in the spot markets, they have very limited options now. It's it's these companies that are facing this really tight supply situation that I, that I mentioned. The problem is that diesel supply is not only tight in Europe, it's tight all over the world. And in the last couple of months, freight has become extremely expensive as well. There are some diesel cargoes available from the US, from Saudi Arabia, from India, but they have other regions to supply. And it's just not economical for them at the moment to come to Europe, spend all the money on the freight um, and, and get the price that people are paying in Europe when they can get an equal or higher price in closer um, consumer markets to them and in Asia or in the US or in Latin America, for example. And the other thing about these suppliers is they're much further away than Russia, obviously. So, so to justify importing from India, for example, the price in Europe doesn't just have to be high enough now. It has to be high enough in three weeks' time when the ship is actually going to arrive in Europe. And with the backwardated structure in the futures market that I mentioned before, with the, the, the futures for next month a lot cheaper than the futures for this month, that's not working out for them. So that's that's what we call the backwardation, and that's shutting down the arbitrage economics even more. So Europe is just not getting the resupply that it needs from the US and from Asia. So there's a major supply squeeze, basically. And the only answer is that Europe has to run its refineries as hard as possible to make up the difference. This is basically what's happening now. Bernard Looney of BP said a couple of weeks ago that their refineries are going, quote, flat out. Um, but there are serious limitations to this as well, because as a, as a sector altogether, Europe's refineries just can't run flat out. They have maintenance work at this time of year. Some refineries are just completely offline because they have to do this kind of upkeep work. Some refineries are specifically built to process Russian grades of crude, but now they've committed not to buy any Russian crude. So they have to they have to process crude they're not built for and they can't use their full capacity because it has different sulfur content or whatever, so they have to do it slightly differently, and they can't do as much. Um, some rely on intermediate feedstocks as well that they import from Russia, and now they're refusing to buy those, those feedstocks, so that limits their production as well. And Europe has permanently closed down around 5% of its refining capacity since 2020 because the pandemic absolutely devastated refinery e economics for about two years. Um, so the, the least efficient refineries had to be closed down permanently. And um, so Europe just can't produce that much diesel domestically now. Uh, and this is why European traders basically are saying prices are going to have to go even higher than they are now in order to justify these imports from India, from Saudi Arabia, from the US, which is the only way they're going to be able to make up the difference in, in supply. Thank you, Benedict. Um... So you've been mentioning that uh, at this stage, uh, uh, obviously, there are, there are the Russian diesel uh, uh, cargos still uh, flowing into into making making their way into Europe, uh, uh, and actually, uh, because there's no there's no sanctions uh, to do so, so that means obviously that we are we are in a, in a two tier market, yeah, uh, Russian and non-Russian origin diesel. Uh, where do you see the current spread between uh, Russian and non-Russian origin diesel? And where do you think that this spread could evolve in the coming weeks or months? 
Well, we're speaking with traders about this every day, and it currently looks like non-Russian diesel is around $30 a ton more expensive than Russian diesel. In other words, that's around 2 or 3% more expensive. It was a little bit less than that a month ago. It was around $20 a ton, which we were hearing for a while, but now it's widened out to $30 a ton. The only reason there's not a bigger spread than that is that, as I mentioned, some buyers, a significant minority of the buyers in Europe, are still willing to buy Russian diesel. Some German buyers, quite a lot of buyers in Eastern Europe, Turkish buyers as well, are still buying it. As more of these buyers get leave the market for the Russian diesel and start competing for the non-Russian barrels, we're going to see that spread pushed wider and wider as we have a larger pool of buyers competing over a very limited pool of, of non-Russian barrels. The EU bringing in more sanctions to make it difficult for people to deal with Russian companies, for example, could push more companies into that, into that smaller pot. I've heard traders suggest that the spread could be as wide as $50 a ton already. So I think there's a lot of upside on that spread and not really any downside at the moment. The pricing is still very unclear. Traders say that sellers of non-Russian diesel are very reluctant to offer specific prices because they know they might regret whatever they say within a couple of weeks because the prices are moving so quickly. Fair values for diesel are completely obscure at the moment. Nobody really knows what they should be paying. But I do speak to traders and brokers about discussed prices and agreed prices for cargoes of both Russian and non-Russian origin. And we know that trades at the moment are happening around $30 a ton apart for the two different types. At some point, the Russian diesel is going to have to become cheap enough that it makes sense for buyers in Latin America or West Africa, for example, to buy it straight out of Northwest Europe where it's in storage or straight out of, out of Baltic ports, for example. So I think we can expect that price of Russian diesel to keep trending away lower than the non-Russian until it finds its way into other markets around the world. We've already seen a gas oil cargo load this month at Novorossiysk in the Black Sea, signaling Uruguay as a destination. Another one is loaded for Lome in West Africa, and maybe that's the future. And I think we can see this spread between the Russian and the non-Russian diesel get wider and wider until the Russian cargoes price themselves into these other markets around the world. Thank you. Thank you, Benedict, for... Um for your very good analysis uh, of the uh, of the market at this stage in Europe and now we we zoom in into we move into Germany uh, Alina um, can you please give us an update on on situation on German stocks and and product availability and uh, focus maybe a little bit on on uh, uh, what Germany German refineries are doing German refineries runs yeah sure so stocks have been filling in Germany when refineries ramped up production in March due to attractive margins. Similar to other Northwest European countries, especially the diesel margins are still higher than normally. And even in May, when margins started falling again, they are so far three times as high as in May 2019 before the pandemic started. 
High supply was not met by demand in April, though, creating a considerable surplus uh, at the refinery sites in Germany. But the prevailing oversupply in the inland for heating oil was lifted a bit in the first week of May when demand for this middle distillate on truck loading has spiked, reaching the highest level in at least 17 months. And consumers have stocked up because of the fear of rising prices in anticipation of an oil embargo. Private heating oil tanks have thereafter risen from their record low for the first time since December. Other product demand for diesel and gasoline remains normal or even a little subdued because of the high prices at the pump. That means that the refineries need to perform a balancing act between high production on the one hand and keeping stocks low on the other, since the liquidation makes it very unattractive to keep high gas oil reserves, as we have already discussed. The road fuel demand in Germany is expected to fall further at the end of the May of May, prior to the decrease of the energy tax, and then rise again heavily in the beginning of June. The planned tax decrease between 1st June and 31st of August is quite significant and buyers are likely to hold off purchases at as prices will drop by 14 euro.04 per 100 liters for diesel and even 29.55 euro per 100 liters for gasoline. But coming back to the refinery runs. While some refineries were able to increase production, this remains more difficult for Total's 236,000 barrels per day Loina refinery and the 226,000 barrel per day Schwedt refinery, which is a consortium of Russian state-controlled Rosneft, Shell and Eni. Both refineries rely heavily on Russian crude and Rosneft has no interest to change that in Schwedt unless it is forced to. Still, we believe that at least one non-Russian Schwedt shareholder and Total Sloina refinery are most probably already processing non-Russian crudes, making it actually impossible for them to run on full capacity. Both Sloina and Schwedt should receive the alternative crude from a Polish Gdansk terminal, though the Polish Climate Ministry said that it guarantees 9 million tons of crude annually for Loina, which would allow the refinery to run on 76% of its capacity in future. Thus, overall production and availability is pretty high in Germany, except of the refineries which are prevented to run fully due to Russian crude dependencies. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Alina. Very, very interesting. Um, what, what are the market expectations in, uh, in Germany towards a potential uh, total ban on, on Russian uh, products and, and, and diesel? Uh, particularly if we look at the consequences that this um, may have on the supply of diesel into uh, northern uh, German ports. So the current proposal of the European Union is designed to ban Russian diesel from 2023 onwards. Especially German importing companies taking in cargoes into North Germany would need to adapt their business uh, to the new circumstances. North Germany has been heavily dependent on diesel from Russia. Their share of Russian imports was at 78% of all diesel imports to the North and Baltic Sea in 2021. 
this actually hasn't changed really much since the start of the conflict in the Ukraine. On the contrary, looking at the imports in May to the northern ports of Germany, this number has even gone up to 85%. In May so far, all of the Arite vessels uh, are from Russia. I think uh, there are also two reasons behind this ongoing flows. So first, German companies continue to import mainly term volumes, which are to the biggest part from Russia. And uh, a second very important reason is also that there are very little convenient alternatives to non-Russian diesel, since the main ports in Germany, Hamburg, Rostock and Bremen, are not deep enough for bigger cargoes to land. They can take only handy-sized cargoes of 30 to 40 kT, but not the bigger LR1s, LR2s, which normally carry diesel from the other diesel-producing countries like India or Saudi Arabia. Therefore, if, if there was a diesel embargo, the large cargoes would need to discharge an ARA. The product would probably then be loaded on smaller vessels and only afterwards it could be shipped to Germany. Obviously, this is more costly for German importers since handling and freight costs would increase, which again should raise the product price. The raising costs are also one of the main expectations of German importers towards a product embargo. One company I have spoken to believes that the market could become a seller's market actually when the ban is effective, as the supply opportunities would be limited without the Russian product. German demand should remain the same, forcing the companies to compete for expensive diesel. We have already heard from Benedict that market is pretty tight, but when Germany gets on board and will also compete for non-Russian diesel, the situation could even worsen. This would make contract negotiations more difficult for German importers at the end of the year, when they are not allowed to trade Russian diesel anymore, if, of course, the sanctions will be put in place. Some companies could therefore change their business model and import more cargoes on a spot basis instead of committing themselves to term contracts. But different to what we could expect from the difficulties an oil products embargo would mean for German companies, some are even, or at least seem, relieved that an oil embargo is on its way. A big problem has been the uncertainty of the last couple of months. It was unclear what sanctions are going to be imposed and in what way to pay for the product what is already on the way. The embargo could create clarity. Also, the importers could prepare for the upcoming supply change since the ban would not be effective until the end of the year. It would also clear the conscience of traders who could not stop Russian flows due to their contract obligations but feel still guilty about it. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Alina. Thank you very much um, for this, uh, this analysis as well on, on German market. And it seems we will have to wait for, uh, uh, for that clarity, for that clarity, for the market to take decisions. Um, thank you very much, both of you guys. And uh, uh, you enjoy this podcast. Please be sure to tune in for other uh, episodes in our series driving discussions and um, for more information on Argus Global Refined Products Coverage, please visit argusmedia.com slash oil products. Stay safe and see you next time. Thank you.